Hello and welcome to Plants and Puppets, the Easter edition. We're recording this time on Easter Monday because, um, as always, Yoram and I are not really religious, but we are hypocrites and we like to sort of celebrate <laughs> Easter in our own individual ways. Um, I went down south and ate some Easter eggs, which had frogs inside them for some reason. I'm not really certain why frogs are now a symbol of Easter, but apparently, I don't know, my mum sent them from Australia. Apparently that's a thing now. But like, you, you mean frogs. figurative frogs like displayed oh, in yeah. candy or something that literal real life or dead no, no. frogs I, I do i do wonder if maybe so i think harry potter had some chocolate frogs where like they actually would hop around the carriage before you yeah. ate them and i wonder if that has popularized chocolate frogs and that's why so it was like an egg and when you cracked the egg open there were some chocolate frogs inside the egg okay and i really like i understand eggs being a symbol of of easter easter is about you know rebirth so it makes sense to have an egg I guess technically frogs spawn around the springtime, yeah. but I'm really I'm really stretching out. You know, like metamorphosis, they come from a tadpole, they go into a frog, like it's changing, it's like yeah, maybe two it's things that. in one. Yeah. Like symbolic of like how Jesus was man and God. I don't know. I'm probably just being entirely incredibly blasphemous now. <laughs> in any case I ate some eggs, um and went to Cornwall, which was really nice. Oh. Well, well, you had a different sort of rebirth, which involved <laughs> yeah, I don't want more to go, illness. <laughs> I don't want to go into detail, but yeah, we wanted to record this before Easter, um, mm. and yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't because um, we spent Easter sick. doing a cleansing ceremony of kind. So um, I, I didn't eat that many chocolate eggs or really any eggs of that kind. I'm, I'm mostly on Zwieback right now. Um, actually, I don't know what that is in English, but what are you on now? Zwieback, the double bread baked dry bread like thing. It's like uh, crackers. Yeah, but no, but crackers like are different. Hot, but anyway, but it's, it's like hard hard bread, crunchy bread. Hard crunchy bread, but it's also very airy. So it's it's very tough. So you wouldn't call it like fluffy. But um, anyway, so I'm eating that. It's good for your stomach. And um, but I yeah I we we hid some eggs for my son in the garden. It was a lot of fun watching him go about and search search them but yeah you said you just spoke of, of harry potter's jumping frogs i watched pretty much all of the harry potter movies in the last two weeks or something um it was a weird experience seeing all of these. have you not seen them before i i've had seen them all before but not in order and not not all of them in a short amount of time so i don't okay. know i always want then like I would like to buy into the fandom more because there are some cool things in there, but I know I'm always like, oh, J JK, JK, I don't want to be part of that. But anyway, um, so that was my time. I, I, I was sick, I watched Harry Potter, and I, I watched my child look for eggs and have fun with it. And I think eggs is also, uh, uh, unless you have something else you want to say now, otherwise I make a terrible transition from eggs to the topic of today. Yes. Which is plants... And eggs, and eggs and plants, and that's eggplants. And today we have an episode of eggplants and pipettes. And welcome, welcome to, to eggplants, eggplants and pipettes. <laughs> Where we talk about <laughs> eggplants. Uh, that was. This is why people don't do that anymore. That's awful. Yeah, so like over remote, it's really hard to be in sync. Um, <laughs> I think there is a delay. Have you ever seen that successfully work? I don't think it ever. I don't think there's ever a time when people speak together and you're like, yeah, 
I think that, when that improved the, that. If they're in the same room and they both know beforehand what they want to say by the word, then it works, which are both not true for us. Okay, so here we're bringing all of our favorite facts about eggplants. Um, Yoram, I think you're up. I think... Yeah. Um, I the, the first one that I found is, uh, I wondered, why is the eggplant actually called an eggplant? Um, and I don't know if... if do, do you know that? Before I start going into the stuff that I found. Um, because it looks like a large oblong purple egg, no? <laughs> uh, now it doesn't look that much like an egg, but it used to look much more like an egg. The original varieties that were grown in, in uh, Asia and also in African countries um, were um, so, so, like goose egg shaped and white. And they literally looked like eggs on a plant. And from that, they got the name eggplant. And then with... Um, like breeders changing the plants, making larger fruit. They also bred them to be purple. And this then resulted in the eggplant that we know today. But the original eggplant looked like a goose egg. And fun fact, a lot of German <laughs> kids know that because we had a magazine called Ips. And Ips was notorious for its gimmicks. They would always sell a magazine and then you would have something like that, like the uh, the sea monkeys, for example, that you know also like in the, uh, oh, the English-speaking cool. world, they mm -hmm. had that stuff Brain and um, all kinds of other stuff. And they had the Ostereierbaum, um, I think, pretty much every year around Easter. And it was just uh, an eggplant an variety. E Easter egg tree, basically. Yeah, an Easter egg tree. And there was an, a variety of the eggplant and they looked like eggs. And you had like a handful of seeds in that and a little um, like to uh, soil disc. And then you should like make them sprout. I think you got them a couple of weeks before Easter because you can grow them actually all year round. And then around the time of Easter, if everything went well, you would then have eggplants in the shape of eggs for Easter. Um, I think I had it once as a child and it didn't work for me. I think I killed <laughs> the, the seedlings. So um, I didn't manage to grow them actually. But um, I think... That sounds like a really cool magazine though. That sounds... Yeah. Like, yeah, sea monkeys, uh, brine shrimp, uh, eggs, like, uh, not eggs, is plants. Like, this is yeah. nice interactive fun, huh? Yeah, I mean, not not every, everything was very cool, but it had some of these iconic gimmicks that they gave with the, the thing. And it was the, the sea monkeys and the Ostereierbaum or the Easter egg tree, the eggplant, I think were the most iconic ones that most people remember from this magazine. Um, and I'm putting a link to that. It's a German website, but you can see some images of that and also the original instructions that were in the magazine there with little cartoon graphics of how to grow the tree um, and what to do with it um, in the show notes. Speaking speaking of the olden days, did you find out where eggplants originated from? So I think I'm guessing like it seems like it was around India, sort of South Asia, Southeast Asia kind of area. Yeah. But I saw lots of different reports on the internet. So I got something that said that eggplants were documented in India like up to 4,000 years ago. But then I also saw something of like, oh, they first appeared in like China, you know, a few hundreds of years ago. So I'm thinking like that, that region, but I didn't sort of deep dive yeah. into it. I also I, I found uh, multiple pieces of evidence and mostly that it was uh, introduced in somewhere uh, during the trade routes in the I think Renaissance time they they made their way to Europe and then were cultivated here in in Europe that's mostly what I found more, uh, reliably uh, but where it originally originated I don't know I know that like it definitely has one origin in in Asia there's also the the traditional name Brinjal for it. Mm -hmm. Um, that you find quite often, even when you look for papers, um, you find in some of the papers about eggplants, you find it called brinjal, mm. um, based on that origin, and where it's mostly grown today as well. 
I also saw I get the the moniker of like being the king of the vegetables, so Brinjal king of vegetables, <laughs> which I was like, okay. I, I mean, know. I don't know how you feel about that. Potato, maybe? I don't, I don't know what. I, I like it, it. It depends. Like you can't really. I don't think um, you get too much sustenance of it. Like you can't supply no. all of your calories just with eggplant. But when it comes to like versatility in cooking, I think eggplant is fairly great. But okay, so this is this is the problem I had. So there's also a lot of websites now which are like, oh, you know, eggplant is so healthy, it's so good for you. It's you know, for example, very low calorie and it's got nutrition. It doesn't really have that much nutrition. I mean, there's something like there was something where it's like it's ninety percent water but also like 70% air so it was like you know if you do it on a volume <laughs> thing it's very very airy but mm-hmm. then if you squish that down of the weight a lot of that is then water as well so basically you've got air you've got a sponge I mean you're eating a sponge yeah. and nutrition wise there's not really that very much in it that we're getting and okay technically it's healthy because it's mostly water and air cool if you're wanting to you know eat something that has lots of volume and will f- maybe fill you up without having the calories cool but that's not how you eat eggplant i mean the reason we love eggplant the reason eggplant is freaking delicious is because it absorbs all the oil and all the flavor of everything (laughs) you put into it is a sponge and it is like a delicious oily sponge when you add sauces and yeah Yeah. i mean (laughs) i the idea of eating steamed eggplant is like i mean i I would like it like smoked sort of as a baba ganache you know you smoke it over Mm -hmm. a flame and then you add again i'm adding tahini i'm adding something very fatty and heavy but the idea of eating just like soft boiled eggplant is also <laughs> quite horrific. Um, yeah, yeah that, that is true. Like, I mean, yeah, I think that I know one cooking method where it's literally just the eggplant and it's when you just bake it in the oven or you roast it over a fire or smoke it. Uh, but yeah, everything else I do with eggplants, it heavily involves sauces or marinating it or mm. frying it in oil. Uh, I'll, I'll roast it, great. but even if I even if I roast it, I usually have it with other roast vegetables. I don't mm-hmm. usually just have roast eggplant by itself. Or if I do have roast eggplant, it's like tahini sauce going like going to town with something on top of. Yeah. Like, I mean, good work, eggplant. We respect you. We're gonna let's say we believe you're the king of the vegetables. Um, yeah, but, I think. Yeah. One, it has one a nutrition factor. That I think that's very important. That is, uh, you can if you eat enough of them, you can skip your morning cigarette. Um, Excuse me. <laughs> they contain trace amounts of nicotine, and you only need to eat twenty whole eggplants to get enough nicotine. That's approximately amount of nicotine you find in one cigarette. So, if you want to have a healthy alternative to your morning cigarette, you can just munch down on eggplants. Well, you know how they always say people gain weight when they stop smoking. This is why like having twenty <laughs> eggplants every time. I mean, it's mostly air, yeah, but like when you eat twenty of them every time you want a cigarette, yeah. especially if you then prepare away. them to to be like a bargain, <laughs> like twenty mm. bowls of that, <laughs> just to just get the nicotine craving eating. gone. And then by midday, you need another portion. <laughs> I mean, I've gone back in the office a few times now, and it just made me so aware of how how I'm constantly eating throughout the the workday. Like <laughs> at your desk at home, it's not so obvious. I just like I just have carrots constantly, like crunch, 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 crunch. And I'm sure at some point, one of my my desk mates will just like have that meltdown thing where like the the crunching finally, and they're just like yeah. But imagine just with a bowl, like a huge like pot of bubble ganache, <laughs> and just like, rah, 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 like stuffing it into your face. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Entire pasta pot filled with bubble ganache, and you just, yeah, I'm trying to stop smoking. I have to eat that now. <laughs> so I think, like, I think you're saying this because I've seen a fact that says that they have the highest level of nicotine of any 
vegetable. So I think mostly we, you know, tobacco has the nicotine. We're not that. We're not eating that as a vegetable. So I, I guess mm-hmm. that's maybe a thing. When you said nutrition, I actually thought you were going to bring up the purple coloring in the skin. So no, actually, couldn't. I actually look didn't look up what that come uh, comes from. So. Okay, so it's got something called nasunin. So this is the the purple coloring. Um, it's actually a derivative of delphinidin, which we've talked about before. So delphinidin is this very blue coloring that you find. Um, it's delphin, like dolphins. Um, so this is like blue coloring that mm-hmm. is sometimes found in flowers. And we we always love blues because they're kind of a little bit exotic in the floral world. It's really easy to make oranges and reds and yellows, but when you're like making blues and purples, it just feels like a little bit of an extra effort. And one of the other things about these blue pigments, um, as you might know from the health stories, is, you know, things like blueberries, they're, they're, they're antioxidants. They're often linked to antioxidant effects. And there was a paper that came out in, I think, 2000 or maybe even the late 90s, which sort of looks at the antioxidant activity of this norsunin, um, which is found in the eggplant peels. Um, and it's, yeah, a very powerful antioxidant. Again, whether this is actually relevant as far as human health, eh. I, <laughs> I'm always skeptical. Again, we're not those kind of doctors, so I don't know. Like, especially when you cook them, right? I mean, yeah, eggplants famously don't stay purple blue when you cook them. They turn brownish because pretty much all of the the dyes and colorants in the skin get oxidized during cooking, and then you don't have the purple eggplant anymore. So I guess you also don't have the blue pigments anymore that have potential antioxidant activity. Yeah, and this paper that we're going to link to, I mean, it's looking at the the protection against um, hydrogen peroxide induced lipid like peroxidation, so like ox like is antioxidants against lipids, um, and they're trying to use this very strong accent, which is um, hydrogen peroxide, but they're doing it in a rat brain homogenate. So if you do have rat brains that you want to keep fresh, this might be the way to go. Otherwise, <laughs> like the relevance to your life and lifestyle choices, I'm not as um, confident. <laughs> But like if even if you're not into kind of this antioxidant activity, there are other fun things that you can do with this eggplant and the coloring. And one fact I found is that people used to in China in the fifth century, um, people used to stain their teeth with the the coloring of the peel to give it like this sort of darker. So it was like mm-hmm. sexier to have dark colored teeth. Um, yeah, I read so. that as well. That, that yellowed teeth are were considered a sign of of being attractive and. Therefore, they, yeah, I also read that about the eggplants. They would actively color their teeth. I'm not, I couldn't find any reputable sources. I sort of found that in a lot of sort of fun facts about eggplant pages. Mm -hmm. And I also looked like specifically at uh, like teeth coloring, like teeth blackening as sort of a traditional um, thing on Wikipedia. And it didn't like, you know, just looked for eggplant in that. It didn't mention eggplant. So I'm not sure about it, but sure. Why not? Like let's, it it is a dark (laughs) substance. It's, It's kind of believable. The other things you can do is that I've, I saw quite a few of these sort of biotechy papers come out, which were looking at what you could do with the the leftover rind, right? So you have, like, you can eat the eggplant with the skin on. You can sort of cook it and eat the skin, sure. But like in a lot of processes, like if you're going to make some some babagan or some some eggplant smushy dip or something like that, you do remove the um, eggplant. And because eggplant is such a widely used vegetable, you have this sort of as a byproduct, um, this rind. So I found a couple of papers. One of them is called Scrapped But Not Neglected. 
um, and it then sort of looks at using the antioxidant capacity of this rind um, sort of like using that as a valuable thing once you've got rid of the skin. So like finding a sort of waste product use mm-hmm. for that skin, which I think is is kind of nice. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of other things that they were using the rind for, um, and I think probably the best one is value-added lager beer enriched with eggplant peel extract. So again, <laughs> we're we're basing on this on the idea that the the peel extract has like is very rich in antioxidants. So then they're adding this to the beer in the beer making process, and the paper basically says that they they found that there was um, you know increased content of some desirable things like anthocyanin content so this is just the coloring um i'm not sure again i i'm i'm very skeptical about how that actually <laughs> translate to you know you're drinking alcohol i don't know that overall you're going to get a health benefit out of that um <laughs> like five percent more antioxidants about liver damage from the alcohol <laughs> yeah i mean i I, I really I really appreciate that there's a lot of um, people looking to use things that would otherwise be waste products. I think that's a really cool mm-hmm. part of science. Um, but I think sometimes I, I'm I mean I'm highly skeptical of health claims always. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, but speaking of health claims, I have one claim that says uh, eggplant can be used to induce labor. There is a place in uh, in Cobb County in Georgia, United States of America, um, and they sell a famous eggplant parmesan um, recipe that is known there by the locals to induce labor. Um, the family the, the family there um, swears on it, um, and they they say they have. Uh, like half a dozen of pregnant, very pregnant women coming into the restaurant every night to eat an eggplant parmesan um, to hope that hopefully then induce labor. And they even have a whole picture wall inside the restaurants with all of the kids that were induced by the eggplant parmesan that they ate. Uh, uh. And apparently there is like there is hardly any science to it where you can say it's really c- coming down to the eggplant. It's rather the heavy use of Parmesan's uh, cheese that they use there. And then the, the the amount of fat and lactose in there just pretty much upsets your stomach. And that can then also help to induce wow. labor, but not reliably in all women. But overall, it's like sometimes they say like you should eat chili or you should um, do other things that sort of... Mm-hmm get your body in motion and then while doing that the body's like oh i also have a baby that i could get rid of and then you just eat such heavy food that your body's like okay i can't process this child you know i've got to remove the child to start processing the eggplant food baby now that's yeah. the but they, child out eggplant in 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 the article that we're linking they also give the recipe and i want to try this now and i mean we, we don't have a baby coming right now where we need some labor inducing food but if I'm healthy again, <laughs> like if not when, um, I might want to eat that um, because it's it's pretty much a layered dish with uh, lasagna style, but with instead of pasta sheets, you use the eggplant and then you have lots of um, sauce and and cheese going on in there. Um, it's quite delicious. It's it sounds it sounds pretty good uh, and yeah maybe for some people it helps. For the author of the article that we're linking, um, it didn't help. They tried it as well and they. Uh, still had to wait and essentially had to uh, medically induce labor. So not a guarantee that it, that it works, but maybe another useful, <laughs> a good use for eggplants. 
I also found an article that shows that you can extract from, again, from the, the skins, sort of cellulose. So this is something that's now getting more value. So whether you can maybe extract the cellulose fibers and do something with that. And maybe more useful, it has a lot of pectin in it, which is sort of used as a gelling or a thickening agent. So again, using these scrappy rinds and extracting the pectin or extracting the cellulose and trying to find mm. a use for them. Maybe, I mean, you know, not that your labor idea wasn't great, um, just... <laughs> If we want, if we want the machines to be a little bit more useful, there's there's some options there. Yeah, um, I have another content. Um, I didn't know that. Uh, I, I was aware that plants of the nightshade family that the eggplant belongs to as well that they're fairly toxic in the green parts. Um, but I found something more about the actual compound. Uh, it's called solanine which uh, can be quite uh, poisonous. And it's like especially found in, for example, the green peel of potatoes. If you have potatoes that see the sunlight, they turn green and they make a ton of this um, uh, this compound, this alkaloid. And that can be then quite toxic if you eat that. Uh, but eggplants make that as well, uh, un uh, but not in amounts that are really dangerous for us. Um, but what I also re learned there is that even with cooking and heating, you can't really reduce the amount of solanine. So if you have solanine in your in your vegetables, no amount of cooking will effectively reduce that. You can they in some article I found you lose like a couple of percent uh, when boiling it. Hmm. Um, so uh, don't eat the green parts of the eggplant eggplant plant and also. Same goes for tomatoes and, and potatoes. Uh, but don't be afraid of eating the eggplant itself. Uh, I even found some articles that say you can eat it raw, although there seems to be some debate about it. Some say be careful because of solanine. Maybe don't take your chances there. Others say it's not enough in the plant actually to make you sick. So go ahead. And if you want to eat a raw eggplant, which I personally don't, like after all the benefits that we said about uh, how amazing eggplant tastes, I think raw eggplant is not my favorite thing in the world. No. I think, I mean, one of the, the names of the eggplant is also this, like, melazana, like this, like, uh, crazy apple that basically translate as mm -hmm. mela, mela insana. So it's like, mela is apple, and then insana, you know, it makes you insane. And I'm not sure if that's related to people getting very ill from the... I don't think, like, this solanin makes you actually crazy. I think it just makes you dead, right? I yeah, I think it, it irritates your bowels and then can actually kill you and maybe do uh, also I don't know if it can, now now I should look this up before I say it if it can <laughs> induce any like can, uh, carcinogenic properties I mean why not let's bet it can bacon can these I mean everything can right so yeah why not but again like so you would have to eat 36 raw eggplants to cause harm so if even if you go on the nicotine diet and <laughs> eat 20 every day um, to replace a cigarette, uh, you're still off the, like far away from the limits uh, before you poison yourself from solanine. Okay, so one thing I wanted to talk about I, is the, the story of how what's happened with genetically modified mm -hmm. eggplant. Did you sort of look into that a little bit? No. Okay, so as you, as you mentioned, like 
Eggplant, also called brinjal, it's a very important vegetable in certain parts of the world, especially. It's like makes up a, a huge amount of the diet. It's also obviously a plant. It's affected by pests, um, so a lot of the crop yield is always lost to things that want to eat the eggplant themselves and aren't very happy about sharing their eggplant with humans. So, as with other plants, we can sort of do genetic modification to make the plants more pest resistant. And the idea is that you often put something in the plants which sort of is poisonous to a certain type of bug or a certain type of pest um, so that they don't eat the food. And we've already done this with a lot of crops. So we have like genetically modified, for example, cotton, um, soya beans, some like um, canola, rapeseed, things like this. It's, it's kind of a standard procedure. Eggplant, I was looking up the, the process and I sort of found out about this because I was flipping through random articles and I found one from 2011 that was said Filipinos back GM eggplants and I was like, okay, cool, GM eggplants are happening, interesting, interesting. Um, and then 2013, Greenpeace campaign prompts Filipina ban on the, <laughs> the genetically modified PPP eggplant. And then 2015, removing BT, so BT is its genetically modified, um, removing BT eggplant from the face of Indian regulators. So I'm like, okay, something's been happening in the Philippines and also in India where we're going backwards and forwards on whether mm-hmm. the, the public and also, you know, legally there's an acceptance of this genetically modified eggplants. So I wanted to look a little bit into what was happening here. And it's actually like an interesting story. So this genetically modified brinjal or eggplant is actually one of the first sort of genetically modified plants that has been done locally in India. It was um, developed as a sort of um, public-private sector collaboration thing. So there's a company that's called Mayoko, and they are linked somehow to Bayer Monsanto. So I think there's like a 20% investment by Bayer Monsanto. And this is a private company um, in India. And they also had some linkages with, I think, two universities. So sort of this public universities. Um, I don't think it was like government, pure government. I think it was via the universities. And the, basically this Myco, which is the Indian seed company, they developed this BT, so this... Um, this genetically modified brinjal. This genetic modification, it uses a gene which is called Cry1AC. It produces a protein. Cry1AC is also the name of the protein. And this originally comes from a bacillus Thurin, how do you say that one? Thuringiensis, yeah. and that's the BT. So, like, we, we've sort of taken genes from BT before. We have BT cotton, for example. And basically, it's a these proteins, they're, they're sort of crystal forming proteins and they're toxic to many different insects. So we've used sort of BT toxic, like toxic proteins taken from BT, this this um, bacillus species before. So this, this Cry1AC protein, the gene was put into the eggplant, um, it makes the protein and then it should basically cause the death of certain bugs that eat it which mm-hmm. is which is a plan and the plan there is that like you're killing the bugs which is one benefit but you're also limiting the use of pesticides against these bugs so normally the bugs are there people have to fight them and they fight them using chemicals and the hope is if you have the sort of death of the bugs encoded into the plants you don't have to add additional pesticides you sort of limit the pesticides which can also be very important for the cost of the farming potentially although often 
buying the the licensed genetically modified seeds do cost money but also the health of the farmers right they're not spraying as many pesticides which often do have harmful side effects on human health um especially if there's not like sort of the right protection um uh, equipment worn Mm -hmm. so they developed this this was myco and these two other um universities i believe they developed this they they actually licensed the the gene itself from monsanto so sort of monsanto has a copyright on the use of these cry genes um so they licensed that and then they developed this bt hybrids which cool (laughs) everything sort of looked like it was going well and it got like in 2013 i think no it's even earlier than that um they signed the agreement to develop it back in 2005 um, in 2006, they were already examining the biosafety data based on what had been developed and what was presented by the company. Um, the the expert committee that looked at the safety, they said that it was safe. Um, it was sort of had the equivalency of the non-genetically modified uh, eggplant. Although they were like, okay, you do need to still look at more studies to show that it actually has the benefits that you want. So we're like, okay, now it's sort of, we're we're saying we think it's neutral, but you know, this is a product you're developing. So we need, if you're selling the product with this idea that it's going to kill the bugs, you need to also prove that this is not fraud, that this is a valuable product. So you've got to go and, and test that it actually has efficiency at killing the bugs. And because of that, you can use less pesticides. So it was then, um, there was a second expert committee that looked at sort of trial results in 2009. It, everybody was like, yep, there's enough safety testing. This is great. It can go forward to the Genetic Engineering Appraisal Committee. Um, and they cleared it at the end of 2009. So, you know, you've, you've developed this from the start of 2005. You're already getting to clearance in 2009. It's quite a smooth um, path of sailing. But... Then there was a lot of concerns raised by some scientists, also some farmers, some anti-GMO activists. And then already by February 2010, they decided that this was basically too fast and there needed to be more time. So they put a moratorium on it, which meant that it wasn't cancelled, it wasn't discarded. It was just sort of like paused. Mm-hmm. Um, and they would have to sort of have more of a political, scientific, and societal consensus. So this is sort of saying that the weight of the communities has to also be taken into consideration before we can move forward with this. Um, And that seems to be sort of where it's paused as far as India's use of the the Brinjal, the BT Brinjal that they themselves have developed. Meanwhile, it has gone forward in Bangladesh. So in 2013, they okayed it in Bangladesh. And it looks like there's some yield increases so in wikipedia and i haven't looked at the background literature of this so just take it with a grain of salt they're saying that there's up to 51 percent increase in yields they're also using less quantities of pesticides they're spraying less frequency and they said that farmers who grow this bt crop who already have pre-existing chronic conditions were less likely to get more symptoms so Mm -hmm. you know they've already got an underlying chronic condition from past exposure and they're not aggravating that condition because they are using less pesticides so that sort of looks looks nice um and then as i mentioned the philippines they were developing sort of a separate one um and they seem to sort of have gone through with that as of last year so it's a bit halted in india by the looks of it and it's sort of gone forward in other countries which is sort of the thing with with gm 
crops we see all the time it's not just about sort of the the scientific ideas of whether the technology it works it's also about you know the legal issues of whether it can be um released sort of thing and that comes back to like how the the farmers who are the operators are are comfortable with the crop but also how society responds generally Mm -hmm. to this thing one other thing i want to mention about this story to make it a little bit more confusing or more complicated (laughs) is that they also recognized an irregularity in the way it was developed which is not like a scientific it's not a um like a lab-based modification irregularity it's the fact that the there's a national biodiversity authority and this sort of takes care to see that different regions of like the state has control over the biodiversity in their region because this also has value and this is something that we've neglected in the past or not neglected in fact it's just been sort of pirated very much by sort of european countries especially like colonizing countries they've gone in to all different countries of the world and they've taken crops and and things like which are you know all living organisms which have value and they've taken them for themselves and they've you know sometimes even monopolize that but they've they've profited off the access to these crops so you know things like tea or rubber or quinine there's like all these stories of how these plants it's like a single species of plants have helped drive the ability to colonize the ability to for armies to to win wars um things like this so it's it's a conversation that's been having more and more now that we should really be careful about how i mean apart from all the horrendous things that happened in, in the past going forward, there needs to be a, a lot more awareness and regulation and none of this parachute science happening. So here they found that some of the, the varieties of brinjal that were used for the genetic modification were actually taken from the Karnataka and Tamil Nadu regions without seeking consent of this National Biodiversity Authority. So basically, um, Maiko, the, the company, they have now been accused of biopiracy, um, misappropriation by taking these local valuable biodiversity goods and using them without getting the correct consent and without getting the correct sort of going through the right legal processes. So here it's this National Biodiversity Authority. So it looks like this is sort of something that's going on at the moment. Um, there's in the Indian High Court, at least, I mean, it's, it's a few years ago. I'm not sure what the outcome was. They were sort of doing, pursuing criminal proceedings against this Maiko Monsanto group for bypassing the the correct routes to get access to these crops. Yeah, this this is a big uh, discussion. I mean, th- now if I'm looking at the dates now, this is already like 10 years ago now, but it was quite recent when I was working more in a like plant science um science communication stuff is the uh, nagoya protocol which is exactly about this um it's the convention on biological diversity that uh, ratified this nagoya protocol that's all about what are the rules under which countries can use biological resources from other countries like if you as a central european researcher or company want to go to india and take their plants, take take advantage of their plants there, what are the rules? Uh, who has to get compensated? Who has to uh, agree to these things? Um, and I know that this was quite controversial because some people, especially in, in the Western world, were sort of upset that now they have more rules that they have to take into account, mm. that they can't just 
I'm simplifying here, but they can't just go there, pick the plants that they like and bring them back home and then do amazing science or very valuable products with them. Um, so now that they have to talk with the people locally. And um, I just look like I think now um, most countries um, have ratified it or like, like the list of parties is quite long. But I know that even like in Germany, it was a long discussion, even in the scientific community, if this is... If, if this is good, if Germany should be part of this, for example, because they were afraid that they would not get uh, access to biological resources anymore if they can't just go and take them. So it's an, it's an still ongoing um, process yeah. of, of getting that onto like stable feed to, to give everybody equal access and fair access to these resources. I, yeah, so I... <laughs> I, I find this hard to get my head around because I'm very far on the side of like, yeah, of course, this is like, this yeah. is something that belongs to that region and has value. And it's nice to think, you know, we, everybody, everything belongs to everyone. It's the world. But like, realistically, that's not how it is. People are profiting off it. So I'm like, yeah, of course, like you have to do your duty and you have to, you know, involve local stakeholders. At, of, of course, like this just seems insane if you wanted to go in and like dig up some like iron ore or some gold out of the ground and take it home, everybody would be like, no, that's not yours. Why is it okay to do that? Just like grab a possum and take it home or like, you know, put a bird in your pocket and yeah, yeah. weird. Um, I just found anyway. that by the United States of America, they did not ratify the uh, Nagoya protocol. So mm. they don't agree to, to that yet at least on that level I mean and there, there was also like I know that there was some controversy also about the specific rules and the compensation where some said the the way it's written down in the protocol is not effective uh, and they were sort of against it because they were not against the idea of compensation but they were against the method of compensation so I know it's also complicated and it's yeah it's still ongoing like one of the some of the it's largest countries like haven't ratified it yet I mean, it can also like. I mean, ownership can also be complicated. And this, this is an instance where, you know, this is so. It's an Indian company. And then they have they have this um, link with Monsanto that's now like what German owned, but um, it's an Indian company. But it's sort of regions within India. So you've got like different levels now. So this is like mm -hmm. sort of at the state level. There's complaints that like the there's been this private company theft from people at the state level. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that's like it's sort of internal, but it, it is still private company versus, you know, public goods at the local yeah. level. Um, the final thing I wanted to mention is in Wikipedia, there's a there's a, a comment that in 2019, in, in the summer then, uh, 1,500 farmers gathered to protest and illegally planted the GMO um, <laughs> crops. So the, it's not it's not allowed right now. It's not being legalized. So they were sort of planting them in protest and I'm, again i'm not sure what happened if there was repercussions or if all those crops got destroyed um but it's sort of a civil disobedience protest of <laughs> planting seeds which okay. yeah i'm just it's it's a complicated story always right like the balancing between what your local communities want um private company interests and then outside like global non-governmental organization interests like greenpeace all of these these things meddle together and you have to figure out a solution there. And I know that it's like it's it's complicated, but yeah, it's um I don't know. I'm I'm leaning in favor of like properly like testing these plants but then using them if they actually have benefits. Um I mean I think we've said that before. I think it's no secret that we are leaning 
towards uh, genetic modification instead of being against it. I mean, like, I, but, uh, it's a <laughs> I didn't want to speak for you. <laughs> no, 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 I mean, I, I, this, this is also a reason why, like, it's a private company who's making profit. So it's also a question of the profit. Like, if you're taking my local eggplant species variety cultivar, whatever, and you're using that and you're developing on the back of that, yeah, I want my community to see some of the profit of like what. Yeah. Yes, you're you're building up, but if you if you made a choice to, this is also the argument for GM. Like, if you're using, if you're choosing to use GM, it's usually because you think using those seeds and paying the prices of those seeds gives you a benefit but then the same applies to the companies if they're choosing to use those cultivars from that region they're making that choice because they think those cultivars are better and therefore they should be paying back like to the community they should be doing what they expect then farmers to do with them and, and giving yeah given a cut back um yeah. anyway <laughs> mata, mata, mata. <laughs> I found a story about what you can do to increase germination rate of um, eggplants. And the best way, apparently, to do that is to shoot the seeds with lasers. Um, there is a study that's... Uh, Excuse me? <laughs> is it the best way or is it a way? I, I'm calling it the best way because it involves <laughs> lasers, but it's probably just a way. Um, it's published in, in April 2021 um, in Nature Scientific Reports. Um, and they use a helium neon laser that's in a red wavelength, um, so in a red, red area of the visible light. Uh, and they directed this uh, the laser light at the seeds and they could see an increase in some growth hormones and then also a notable difference in germination time and making them germinate quicker by increasing this this i mean there's already an inherent uh, response in plants to red or far red light and mm -hmm. they sort of push that and trigger that with the laser light i don't fully understand why they had to use laser light instead of just <laughs> they, red I lamps I don't um, think they did. I really um, think like... But they make a big point about uh, using the helium neon laser. Um, but yeah, I would have guessed if you... But maybe it's it's about intensity because it was actually quite an intense laser. It was like 25 joules per square centimeter. And it means nothing to me. I think one joule is quite a lot of energy and um, 25 of these joules on a tiny area. I think it's quite a lot, but then they had very short like exposure time. So... Yeah, in the end, I don't, I don't know why they used the laser, but they could could see that there were um, like general plant hormones like um, gibberellic acid and abscisic acid were increased, and these are all involved in like gene expression. Like they're quite generalist and um, like hormones, um, mm. but it resulted in faster seed germination uh, in in eggplants. So uh, maybe if we just use more lasers, I just want to see more lasers in use. I think, I mean, Yoram, you often complain that physics has cooler things than biology. They get, like, nicer equipment and it's it's easier to make physics sexy than it is biology. And maybe this is just... Yeah. <laughs> this is sexy. It's got lasers in it. <laughs> maybe it's that. So I, I guess I have a few more, like, high-techy thing. It's not quite as cool as a laser, but it's just more... It is more molecular biology. So I did find that... Um, We've got some nice quality genomes now of our eggplants. So there's been a few different ones and just in the last few years sort of getting higher and higher quality maps. Um, that's nice. It, it gives us understanding of what the, the eggplant is. It also lets us understand the eggplant in the context of all of the other um, Solanum species, which is a lot of things that we eat, like potatoes and tomatoes and all of that barrel. Um, 
We can also transform the plaster, it looks like, although I found a paper that was like from six, seven years ago and I haven't seen that many follows up, so I'm follow up of that. So I'm not sure how, like sometimes you can do a process, but it's so tricky to do it that mm-hmm. nobody actually does it because, you know, it's, there's a little bit of magic involved almost. It's, you can get, you can get the transformation to work, but it's really, yeah. you've got to have exactly the right conditions. You've got to like, you know, do it under a full moon and there's some like, soundtracks and dancing and this kind of you know yeah it's, magic involved magic involved <laughs> yeah it's 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 simply not practical um or you need like one very specific cultivar and then with exactly the right batch of ingredients from the right manufacturer then you can make it work so um mm. it can it can Often, sometimes be tricky <laughs> you can you can sometimes see this stuff in the scientific literature so i haven't actually looked into this so i'm i'm not i'm not talking specifically about this paper because i don't know anything about it it's been cited like 80 times so it looks like other people are using the technique potentially um although that might be just like you can now transform this um but sometimes you can actually see that the, a, a group develops a technology and then only that group is the one who uses that technology in the future and when i see that i'm always like oh it might not be as straightforward to use as i want to believe <laughs> yeah. it might actually be very um specific <laughs> yeah. to get that to actually work um yeah yeah that's always a big disappointment when as a as a student um you want to do something to your model organism and you're looking at the methods you have available and you find some paper that says like oh yeah you can actually transform the plastic and like oh yeah that that could be really useful for my experiment and then you look into it and you're like okay not not one can they can they know how to do that and mm. unless i call them and have them do it for me uh, i have no way of transforming my plastic really I did. I mean, so I also found that people have been genetically engineering the eggplant in other ways. So this is usually you're transforming the nuclear DNA, not the the plastid DNA. Your arm and I kind of like the the plastid to the chloroplast DNA transformation, just because it was something that was done a lot in in mm-hmm. our, you know, PhD research. That was a topic in our lab. But I saw also that people were trying to engineer eggplant to accumulate more beta carotene, um, which is also, you know. It's vitamin A, so it's it's a very important nutrient. So maybe mm-hmm. that's something we'll see as well. I think that would also make the the eggplants potentially a little bit more orange and coloured inside. So that might be a nice little purple orange contrast. Golden um, eggplants. I would buy that. I would. I yeah. am a hipster, and I would lap that up. I think that would be yeah. charming and delightful. Yeah, I would totally do that too. Um, and the other thing that people are doing a lot with eggplants is like just a standard, it's a crop. So one of the standard things is sort of grafting. So where you take the the top bit that makes the fruits um, and you stick that onto a different bottom part. Um, so you have a, a scion, which is the top bit, and the stock, which is the, the bottom rooty part. And usually that's just done because uh, you can put a bottom rooty part that is a little bit more resistant, either to something like a fungus in the soil. It might be better at you know taking up water, so deal better with drought. Um, it might have some other desirable properties that the fruit bearing part doesn't have but obviously the fruit bearing part it bears the fruit so that's what we want so this this grafting technique is used really in, in a lot of wide wild crops like i mean things like apples and, and lemons like all of these tree-based crops it's just it's very very common so apparently you can also do that with eggplants which i did not know i think could maybe then make one of these multi super plants um like the people who make tomato potato grafts maybe you can make a potato potato tomato eggplant graft and then have an entire dish growing on one plant so i think we've had this discussion before and the problem is that you now have too many sinks so you've got leaves which are taking all the energy they're making energy and now like with a the potato they put a, they store that energy 
in these tubers in that like near their roots so they got these like that's a potato that's just a stock of starch which is the storage for the plants that's where it's putting all of its energy it's the battery cell that's the same thing as fruits a lot of plants they're putting investment into the next generation and then they're putting it into their fruits which an eggplant is um now you're asking the plant to put the energy both in the tubers and in the fruit i think we just it's just not enough energy right you're just going to get like these small eggplants and small potatoes yeah, <laughs> most likely. I think from all of the the experiments that they did with the tomato potato grafts, they yeah they saw that they had less yield on both ends. So it doesn't really Hooray. it doesn't really work that way because yeah, unless you then also engineer it to have huge leaves that can provide essentially the energy for two full plants. Uh, otherwise, it I it think- it won't work. It won't have that many benefits. I think, like your idea of like, just give it a huge leaf. That's not really, I mean, I think people have been trying to develop crops for better yield for so, so long. And you're just like, yeah, just give it bigger leaves. Like, duh. Yeah, just also uh, graft some some um, pumpkin leaves on there because they make these massive ground covering leaves on that. And then, boom, you have enough photosynthetic area to pro- provide all of the sugars to your abomination of a crop plant and also like you have to imagine every time you we say yeah, you can simply graft these things grafting takes skill and time it doesn't work 100 percent of the time so any plant i think like most eggplants nowadays they only um they grow for one growth season and then the whole plant dies off like there's older varieties and can sometimes grow up to three to four years like the the easter egg variety um they can actually uh, make fruit for a couple of years but the main um, varieties that we use uh, i think i read is that they yeah they only one year and so if you would graft every year you would have to graft a full field of plants every single year that's a huge amount of time so um not always worthwhile to do all same with like potatoes and and tomatoes like both of them they only exist for one growth season and then you can't really do this grafting at scale. Okay, I think I have run out of facts. I have two more dubious, I don't even know if they classify as facts. And then <laughs> I have a brief game, which again, using the word game is a little bit of a stretch here. But okay, my first fact <clears throat> is, so the we didn't, we didn't do this at the top, we really should have. The species name for eggplant is Solanum. This is the genus and melongena melongena i don't know how to even say it solana melongena mm, i don't know melongena yeah i don't know <laughs> how would you pronounce M- melon- that melongena solana melongena would be when i do like german latin <laughs> okay that sounds nice um i am i sort of imagine that the melongena comes from the the melanin i thought it was coming from the dark color but apparently it's originating from the the brinjal word so they're sort of like a a similar mm-hmm. basis. Um, they have sort of a similar root, but that also does come from the word melas black. I don't know. Anyway, so that was not my fact. My fact is that there's a cultivar. So Solana melongena. There's a cultivar called Serpentium. Can you imagine what that looks like? Like a snake? Yeah. Is it, is it a- snake eggplants? Snake it's plants? a snake eggplant. It's a snake plant. Um, definitely go and look up what a snake plant is because it's really, really cute. It looks like a little snake. It's sort of like long and thin and then it's bent at the end and it has a little like snake head sticking up. Um, five star to the snake plant. 
Um, my other non-fact is I would really like some checking. So we were looking up random facts for eggplants. You go to these pages and you find like a list of random facts and then you sort of think, hmm, is that true though? That doesn't <laughs> feel like a fact. And then you try to Google the fact and then all you hit is other eggplant fact pages which have exactly the same fact written word for word like plagiarism in its finest form so the one i found is that in japan there's a proverb about eggplants and i don't know if it's true but i like it it says the happiest omen for a new year is first mount fuji then the falcon and lastly eggplant and if that is a thing that's said, it's clearly idiomatic because I do not understand what it means. Um, <laughs> but if any of our listeners um, speak Japanese, are familiar with what that means, I would really... Yes, please. Please help. <laughs> that's all I've got. That's, that's my fun facts. Yeah, I, I, the, the last thing I have in my notes is that uh, the most annoying thing you can do at any party is be like, did you, by the way, know that an eggplant is a berry? And then people will be like, what? why? And then you can tell them, yeah, it's a berry because it's a seedless fruit uh, or a, a, a fruit that ha doesn't have one major pith in the middle. And it comes from a flower with a single ovary. And that botanically makes it a berry. And of course, in a cul culinary sense, that doesn't make any sense. You wouldn't make a berry smoothie with eggplants. Uh, but just so you know, if you want to be that annoying person at a party, you can say... I brought you a bunch of berries and then hold 20 eggplants and eat them and say, like, now I don't need a cigarette. It's also the whole, like, and actually, also, raspberry and strawberry are not berries. Like, it's that kind of yeah. follow-up where everybody just immediately leaves the party. It's a nice um, <laughs> clearing out routine. Yeah. Okay, before we finish the podcast on eggplants today, I want to play our favorite game, which is Let's Guess Famous Horse or Famous Eggplant. Yoram, I'm going to read you out some names and you have to tell me if it is a famous horse or if it is a cultivar of eggplant. Let's start off with um, Orient Charm. Um, that is a horse. Wrong, it's an eggplant. Black caviar. That sounds like an eggplant. That's an Australian thoroughbred bay mare who won all 25 races that she participated in <laughs> and was the first horse not trained in Europe to receive the title of European champion sprinter. <laughs> what about Twilight Sparkle? I mean, there's... Uh, isn't there in, like, My Little Pony a character named Twilight Sparkle, something like this? So I would say horse. <laughs> you actually got it exactly right. It's a purple alicorn from the My Little Pony series. She's associated with magic. Also, on a similar theme, Tempest Shadow. Do you know who Tempest Shadow is? It sounds also like a horse from the My Little Ponies. <laughs> it's a purple and magenta unicorn with a broken horn and facial scar. Wow. Who is a villain in the My Little Pony, the movie. My Little Pony, get your <laughs> together. People with facial scars do not have to be villains. Just because we have a broken horn does not mean we cannot be pony, good. whatever ponies do. I don't know what ponies do. All right. Um, lavender Touch. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to say eggplant now. Lavender that is, is a plant. That, yeah, that's a light purple and white eggplant. What about Japanese eggplant? <laughs> that's a horse. I would call it it's a double double bluff that time. That one's an eggplant. Um, <laughs> Thai eggplant, <laughs> probably also an eggplant. An eggplant with green and white stripes. What about Udupi matugula? Oh, now I'm completely in the dark. I'm gonna say eggplant brinjal. That's an eggplant. That is a green and white eggplant. What about shionaba? 
I'm gonna say Q-Anaba. horse just to change change it up. Yeah, this is um, a creature in Central American mythology. It's a demon. It's not really a horse. It can have the face of a long-haired woman or a skull or a horse. And it basically lures men and also sometimes children to their deaths. So hmm. horse, skull, woman thing that lures people to their death. <laughs> what about Uchai-Shravas? Um, Eggplants. Aha, I see where you're tricked. This is the king of the horses, and you're mistaking that with the king of the vegetables that is an eggplant. <laughs> this is, in fact, a Hindu mythology-based horse. It's a flying horse with seven heads, which is quite cool. Um, <laughs> and our final one of the day is going to be Ratna. Uh, Ratna? Um, I'm just, eggplant. Eggplant, that's an eggplant. I think. <sighs> <laughs> wait, 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 one more. Secretariat. <laughs> That's a horse. I, I was waiting for potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> damn it, damn it. All right, that's it. Um, well done, Yoram. I think you got like four out of ten for the game of horse and eggplant. Great. Sure. Uh, that's less That's than, a failing grade. Yeah, then if a bunch of monkeys would have randomly picked the answers. <laughs> so, yes. Fine. <laughs> But now you know more about both eggplants and mythical horses. Yes, um, I'm very happy for it. I think that's that's it for our eggplants and pipettes show. Thank that's you it. for listening. We hope you had an enjoyable. Like it wasn't only Easter. I, I read that it was like all th- three monotheistic world religions mm-hmm. had their um hol- like their their major festivities. Yeah, we're also in Ramadan right now. Yeah, What's and that? Passover. Passover is also all happening now so i hope whatever you celebrate or if you don't celebrate anything at all we just hope you had a nice time mm-hmm. and we're talking to you soon again about i think some other plants and eggplants for once i think we exhausted <laughs> yeah. our eggplant knowledge here <laughs> well, we gave we it all to you internet. so now you can all be like clever about eggplants berries um if you want to reach out to us you can find us on sometimes facebook more often instagram at plants and pipettes on twitter you can find yaram that at plants pipettes we also have a website it's www.plantsandpipettes.com where we have a lot of blog posts of interesting things about plants that we've written about in the past and as always our opening closing music is caravana by philip grass thank you for listening goodbye (laughs) 